0: So we are starting a new set of teachings and it's on the... uh, We'll go through the seven churches in the book of Revelation. So that's what we'll be doing over the next little while. So today we'll go through the church of Thyatira. And uh, as we go through these seven churches, I'll only pick themes that are relevant to either us or to the world. So this is not a study of the seven churches as in where it's located, who Christ is coming as, and who w- we're not, we're not going to do this as a Bible study. It is just picking the seven churches, these ancient stones that literally talk as they are in ruins today. Uh, seven churches pick out relevant themes. And so it will get heavy at times because these themes are being extracted from it. It's not like we're doing a Bible study explaining each of the churches. And so if you're a new... Newcomer to uh, these teachings, um, this is not how we usually do it, but it might get and sound a little heavy, like even today. And the um, caveats as we go about teaching uh, each of these churches is that because these churches deal with problems, because these churches deal with judgment and discipline, it is likely that as I'm teaching it, that you will begin to squirm it is likely that as I'm teaching it, you will begin to squirm. And part of the reason you will squirm is because most of these churches cover different areas in our life that have a deficit. And the other reason you will squirm is because I know you guys well, and you will think I'm talking about you. So you've got to be uh, wary of that because um, I fear God enough not to use the pulpit to take a shot at you. Plus, I like you enough, even on the days you are unlikable, uh, not to take a shot at you. But there will be times when you will squirm while I am um, teaching. Two, uh, it will require us to make changes, both as a church, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally, uh, and as individuals, we will have to learn how to make changes. And three, as we go through these seven churches, we'll have to claim rewards. We'll have to claim rewards for everything in these stories, in these church stories, where there was an overcoming, there was a reward. So these are the uh, these are the disclaimers or the clauses I wanted to bring up before we talk about the first church. And I'm just picking theatra uh, today. It's not in order. And so let's go to Revelations 2:18 to 29. Revelations 2:18 to 29. Revelations chapter 2, 18 to 29. Revelations two eighteen to twenty nine. Okay, I'm reading. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write. These are the words of the Son of God. Whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am He who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. This is a New Testament, eh? Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, so the guardian, just so you know, the, the divine guardian of Thyatira, not the, de- uh, um, the deity, the deity, not even divine. I want to ascribe that only to God. The deity or guardian of Thyatira, the deity or guardian of theatra was uh, this uh, god called Tyrinmos who basically was portrayed as uh, riding a horse with a battle axe on his shoulder. And uh, another name for Tyrinmos or Tyrinmos is Apollo, that was what he was familiarly known as in uh, Greek mythology. And so Jacob, why pull out something that's not in the scriptures? Because in the process of talking about these different churches, I want us to know that every city um, that John talks about in these letters that Christ shows him, uh, every city had a divine guardian or a deity that was supposed to be a guardian over that city. Paul knew that Ephesus was under the sway of Artemis. At times, Jesus himself, in these letters, as you will see in the future, will refer to certain places as uh, places that are basically the throne of Satan. Deuteronomy 32, verse 8, talks about a time when God had actually appointed divine guardians over lands that he had set boundaries for unfortunately many translations instead of calling them uh, s- um, uh, divine guardians calls them sons of israel which is a really bad translation and i know this not because i have greek and authority as uh, greek and hebrew as my specia- speciality, but because i've gone and checked over and over again and read enough to know that deuteronomy 32 verse 8 was when god divided the nations into portions, set boundaries for them and appointed upon them divine guardians. In his case, when he did it, it was was guardians that were sent from him. The Bible talks about it in Daniel chapter ten, when it says, an angel has been appointed to Israel, that Michael your angel. God did appoint divine guardians. This is why I said it might sound a little heavy uh, if you're new to Acts 29, but it isn't actually heavy because it is scripture. But at a point when the earth began to fall into corruption, what begins to happen is a people begin to desire not that which God has appointed but begin to worship deities that are ungodly, that are evil and so now cities and lands have deities that are guardians over these cities that hover over them, that hold sway over them, that exert influence over them and sometimes not sometimes, it is not possible to take a city the way you need to take a city unless you unseat or rattle or have authority over the guardians that are over a city. This is why Paul dealt so brilliantly with Ephesus. Jesus commands in these letters at certain places that the church needs to be aware of these seats that need to be undone which is why I brought up this deity that guarded Thyatira and these deities have different names in different places. A deity that is known by one name in one place is known by another name in another place and I just want to touch on the idea of Familiar spirits, because one of the things I'm realizing is that there are familiar spirits, but none of us know how to define them because we try to define familiar spirits in one sentence and that's not possible. Familiar spirits, what are familiar spirits? Familiar spirits are like in this case, familiar in nature, familiar in nature familiar in nature, but different name. So they are familiar in nature or character, but have a different name in different places. That's one way to define familiar spirits. So you have, for instance, uh, the spirit called, let's say in English, we call a spirit destroyer. In Greek, it's called Abaddon, sorry, In Hebrew, it's called Abaddon. In Greek, it's called Apollyon. And in India, it's called Shiva. They all manifest the same character. They have familiar nature, familiar character, but they go by different names. Then there is this thing called familiar spirits mentioned in Leviticus 1931. Leviticus 19.31, where if you read the uh, New King James or King James version, you'll find that it actually calls them familiar spirits. Leviticus 19.31. It says that, regard not them that have familiar spirits, Neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them, for I am the Lord your God. In that case, it is a person who willingly or ignorantly, a person who willingly or ignorantly, a person who willingly or ignorantly develops a familiar relationship, develops a familiar relationship. with an evil spirit that begins to use the person, that begins to communicate with the person and uses the person as a medium. Communicate with the person and then begins to use the person as a medium. That's what's being mentioned in Leviticus 19.31 where a person willingly or ignorantly develops a familiar relationship with an evil spirit that now begins to communicate with the person and through the person and so you see this in Acts 16.16 where you actually meet a woman who depending on the version you read had a spirit of divination or had a familiar spirit was a medium and so the spirit becomes so closely associated with the person that the person and the spirit become familiar. It's like a familiar book or a familiar um, something that there's great familiarity with so that the spirit begins to communicate with and begins to communicate through the person. Most mediums that you see at Lansdowne or one of these malls where they have these times when there are astrologers and palm readers and stuff like that are the ones mentioned in Leviticus 19.31. The next one is a spirit that takes on familiar form, a spirit that takes on familiar form with the intent to deceive, with the intent to deceive. As in it takes on the form of someone usually uh, uh, dearly loved that has died or um, very often that is the case. A spirit that takes on a form that is familiar to deceive. So in 1 Samuel 28:11, you see Saul going to the witch of Endor and she says who do you want me to call up for you? And uh, she replies saying, he replies saying, call up Samuel. And so he calls up Samuel and nobody returns from the dead. It is appointed for man once to die and then to be judged. So it's not like Samuel is returning from the dead. But an evil spirit takes on the form of Samuel. Where now it's a familiar spirit because it is a spirit that takes on a familiar form with the intent to deceive. I've met people who loved their... Brothers, sisters, dads, mums, spouses, uh, friends so intensely that after their death, spirits would take on their form and appear to them. And literally draw them towards doing something really bad, really um, destructive. I know someone who would have their dad appear to them, an evil spirit taking on the form of their dad. I would be standing there, and they would see it, but I couldn't see it. And it would literally draw them to the edge of the roof to try and see if they could be thrown over. Fourth, a spirit in a person, and we're not talking about the Holy Spirit right now, a spirit in a person that alights on another A spirit in a person that alights on another cause of familiar ties, familiar ties and these ties can be ties of soul, body, spirit, it can be of blood, it can be of trauma, it can be of shared conditions, affinities, Pledges, unison, kinship, allegiance. This is what happens in First Kings twenty two, twenty two when Micah suddenly sees, Micaiah, or Micah, Micaiah suddenly sees heaven, a scene from heaven, and the powers gather around the throne of God. And uh, the scene is being played out where uh, the question is, how shall we lead Jehoshaphat? Uh, sorry, Ahab to his death? And one spirit says, I will become a lying spirit. And he goes and he affects 300, 400 prophets, man, a lying spirit enters into and they all begin to prophesy things that are false. Uh, 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 a godly parallel of it you will find in Numbers eleven seventeen, 17 where God says to Moses, I will take the spirit off you and I will put it on these 70. That is a godly version of it. But I have seen this so often where a spirit in a person, uh, not a good spirit in a person, alights on another cause of familiar ties soul ties, body ties, spirit ties, blood ties, trauma ties, shared condition ties, affinities, pledges, unison, kinship, allegiance. That's another version of a familiar spirit. I'll I'll give you time to ask questions once I get through two more. The next one is generational, generational, generational. Generational where these are spirits that affect designated descendants, spirits that affect designated descendants, spirits that affect designated descendants, as in every oldest son. Why? Because there was a dedication at some point, at some point in the generation. There was a dedication or there was a pledging. And then in every generation, because of one man or one movement, pledging to evil, his descendants. Every generation has this particular spirit come and try to see if what was pledged can be taken. Derek and I have seen this. I haven't seen this designated descendants, as in this descendant I will go after, makes me angry, partly angry because we are ignorant to the devil's devices, partly angry because of the ease with which the enemy takes things because we are ignorant. These are not things that are taught in a church sermon man, these These we do in Bible studies. But the problem with doing it in Bible studies is just two or three may know. And one may not be able to teach it well. And so we continue in our ignorance. At least this way, one of two things will happen. Either they will laugh it off saying, uh, this is one of those teachings that we should pay no attention to. Jacob's full of himself or full of what's wrong. Or we will have this go around the world and it will help. The last one. Is spirits spirits functioning spirits that function in different jurisdictions, spirits in different jurisdictions, spirits in different jurisdictions, spirits in different jurisdictions, in different jurisdictions forming alliances, forming alliances to conduct an attack on those that are partnering in a God endeavor, an attack on those partnering in a God endeavor. I'll read it out because my writing is pretty bad. It gets bad as it goes lower because I don't want to bend. Spirits in different jurisdictions. Spirits have jurisdictions. Spirits have jurisdictions. They can't, um, they can't cross jurisdictions without permission from spirits in other jurisdictions. The Prince of Persia is appointed to one place. The Prince of Greece is appointed to another place. And please, I hope you don't think they are actually physical kings because there's a whole bunch of guys who will tell you that the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece that Daniel 10 verse 20 talks about are actual kings. All I can say is, I won't even argue with you. I feel sad. These are actual principalities and powers. They have jurisdictions, but sometimes what happens, we're talking about familiar spirits, is that spirits in different jurisdictions form alliances. Why? So that they can conduct, they can form alliances to attack people that are partnering across here. The same thing that is happening in India now begins to happen in Canada. The same powers that are attacking a church or a person there begin to attack a partnering church or a person here. Similar attack. There's something familiar that goes on then. Daniel 1020 talks about how the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece combine together to stop an answer from getting to Daniel. Why? Because what Daniel has to do will affect both Persia and Greece. Another story that I find fascinating, though I cannot say that there were uh, evil spirits involved in this, is 1 Samuel 4, where on one hand, the ark is stolen and Eli hears it and he dies. And on the other hand, away from Eli, in her home, Eli's daughter-in-law is giving birth and she dies and says, Ichabod. that's what she names her son. But since I can't prove it, I'll just leave that as an example. Any questions? Pardon? God did not, uh, to respond to the next question, God did not appoint guardians that are not good. God only appointed divine guardians that are good. But when I appoint someone to take care of you, And you decide you don't want that someone and you begin to give your allegiance and pledge to someone else. Then guardians change because man has the free will to choose to do whatever he wants. So if you go to Deuteronomy 32.8. Deuteronomy 32.8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the bounds of people according to the number of, according to the uh, ESV, okay? When the Most High God gave to the nations their inheritance, when He divided mankind, He fixed the borders of the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of God. And The sons of God there are angels, they are not people. Translations that can't handle that, unfortunately, go and say the children of Israel. I find it terrible when translations dare to do something like that because they cannot handle or explain one way of looking at it. There might be a more complex example uh, explanation to why they do it, but one of the reasons they do it is that. So it is not God who appoints guardians that are evil; it is people choose to um, cast off what God has for them and choose. To worship what God does not have for them. And they then become. Artemis was well known in all of Asia Minor, the guardian goddess over Ephesus. Ah, Diana replied, uh, responded to that. Cool. Yeah, so um, I won't be able to answer that uh, uh, publicly on uh, live stream, so you'll have to ask me that on the slide. But uh, uh, the, the, way this, the, the way the spirit world works, guys, is on one hand, they, are, they don't have patience, they don't have love, they don't have uh, kindness, they don't have uh, fellowship. Those are not terms that they understand. There was a time when they understood that, But one third of the ones cast out of heavens do not understand that anymore. So they're constantly jockeying for position, but they are not a kingdom divided. Christ said they are not a kingdom divided, but that doesn't mean they live happily together. They're constantly jockeying for position. One of the books that uh, isn't uh, like a Bible story but highlights this quite brilliantly is the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. So the demonic realm on one hand is not divided, it, is, it has hierarchy, it is vicious and it's constantly jockeying for position. The one thing that unites them is steal, kill, destroy and oppose the plans of man on earth in the lives of people to ruin creation, to destroy it, to bring Eden to a place of where there's nothing, where is the haunt of jackals and hyenas and satyrs and then comes God saying, nope, my plan will stay the same, Eden will be restored. Let's just pray against this, see. Eh? So Father, I bring people at Acts 29 before you and anyone else who will hear this later. This teaching is going to be a labor of love but it will be laborious Father and that's fine because Holy Spirit you will supply the strength and the sharp arrows required for it. And so in the name of Jesus Christ I come against familiar spirits in the lives of people first in the Acts 29 family. Familiar spirits that have been picked up because of any um, third party dedication be it through rituals in the past of secret organizations or uh, ungodly religions that have any other God but Christ. Of familiar spirits because of ties. I can go over the list, but it would just make the teaching longer. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I right now bring every person that claims Acts 29 as his or her family. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that this family has only one spirit and that is the most dangerous Holy Spirit who dwells in our midst and who yearns jealously over us and hates sharing space with anything idolatrous or evil. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, who said that it is by the finger of God, by the Holy Spirit, that I cast out demons. I now cast out, drive out, anyone who is willing to have driven out of them, anyone who is willing to be rid of familiar spirits. In this family, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against every familiar spirit in every person and I drive you out saying, leave. In Jesus Christ's name, for we are the sole domain and the possession, the blood-bought possession of Christ and the sole domain of the Holy Spirit. And I break every tie by the power of God, not by our intellect, not by our understanding, but surely by the Spirit of God and by the power of God. I break every tie in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thyatira, I love that it starts with Jesus Christ declaring I'm the Son of God. One of the things I was thinking of when I was reading that is Father please O God let one thing not be replaced in our lives going forth that we will not present Jesus as God, we will not present him as a a friend, we will present him as a son of God as in not avoid that. He himself is clearly saying there listen I am Jesus Christ, the son of God. I've got eyes that are blazing, that penetrate, that expose the plans of the enemy. I've got feet that are so strong that I can trample upon the enemy. And then he goes on to say, listen, I'm really aware of how well you're doing. I would love to hear, uh, 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 and it's one thing that we should ask God, so what's your report on Acts 29? Because he's giving a report here. He says, listen, I'm aware of your love. I'm aware of your faith. I'm aware of your service. I'm aware of your perseverance. I'm also aware of how your expression of love has grown. You're now doing more than you did at first. I would love to get a report from Jesus about this church. Because our reports are either too critical or too forgiving. It's been something I'm asking, Father, is there a way you can put together a report so that There won't be any bias in it and you'll give us the straight goods. So that what needs to be corrected can be corrected. What needs to be undone can be undone. That's what he does here. Then after saying that, he goes into what he needs to judge. And his judgment is the tolerance of Jezebel. Tolerance of Jezebel and her influence. Tolerance of Jezebel and her influence. Now Jezebel is both a woman in this case in the church and in the Old Testament but more than a woman we want to look at her as a spirit and a spirit has no gender so I'm going to try and refer to Jezebel as it not she. Not because I got a problem with he she they us uh, uh, she her he him Uh, but because I want to say that it's a spirit even though both in the Old Testament and in this particular church, she was also a woman. I know this isn't exactly Mother's Day teaching, uh, but (laughs) we've never done any Father's Day teaching either. So that did occur to me that, gosh, this doesn't sound like Mother's Day, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, didn't choose the poster woman either. Uh, so th- there's this tolerance of Jezebel's influence, and what Jezebel's influence does, guys, is it denies the cross. And what do you mean denies the cross? Luke nine, um, Luke nine thirty, uh, Luke nine twenty three says that we are supposed to deny ourselves and carry the cross. What Jezebel teaches or what the, the spirit called Jezebel can bring into a church not a denial of self and a carrying of the cross but a denying of the cross and a self-indulgent sexually compromised religion that is co-opted by the secular environment around you. Instead of denying oneself and carrying the cross the, the spirit called Jezebel has the ability to enter a church and make it a cross-denying church and a cross-denying church is a church that practices a self-indulgent, sexually compromised religion that is co-opted by the secular environment around you. That's what it does. How tolerance works and my God do we live in a society that demands tolerance. How tolerance works is tolerance when we begin to entertain it. uh, I'm not saying be intolerant to everything. We have to show tolerance in certain areas but there are certain things we have to be absolutely intolerant of. One of the things that we have to be absolutely intolerant of is the spirit of Jezebel and any manifestation of the spirit of Jezebel in any form of fashion must be dealt with, with absolute brutal intolerance, but it's a spirit. So what happens with tolerances, the moment you begin to tolerate things, there is a loss of fidelity. There's a loss of fidelity. When there is a loss of fidelity, there is a license that we now begin to take that allows us to go into places, uh, uh, um, uh, accept things that we would not otherwise accept. That leads to adulterous compromise. Adulterous compromise leads to resistance to repentance. And resistance to repentance leads to judgment. Sorry, loss of fidelity. License. Uh, It gives you the license to now begin to step into things that you would normally not do. It's almost. I mean, you could compare this to a marriage, where once in a marriage, things become things uh, when a spouse begins to tolerate things besides or outside the marriage, there's a loss of fidelity. The loss of fidelity results in an increase of license to indulge in things that you know you should not do, which then results in adulterous compromise, which results in a resistance to now turn around and that usually ends up in consequences or judgment. The judgment however is severe The judgment in this case in Thyatira was that God would actually have people put on a bed of pain and sickness, a bed of pain and sickness. Now we got to be careful here and quickly put a caveat, every time I have pain and sickness I am not going to conclude that I have now engaged with, indulged with or done something with the spirit of Jezebel, that would be absurd. You'd have to be really dull to think like that. I mean it and I meant that as an insult in case you didn't get it the first time. So, but one of the things we also have to avoid is we have got to stop thinking that sickness is not sometimes the result of sin. I don't know why we become namby-pamby when it comes to that where we don't tell people that there could be sin that causes sickness. Maybe we went one extreme, so now we react and go the other extreme and say, no, 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 it can't be sin. God is not like that. God. Uh, I would love to say judgment is discipline, but man, when you read uh, the New Testament in uh, Theatra it uses the word punishment. And I'll tell you why. A bed of pain and sickness and what is it the result of? A result of, as a result of unrepentant, unrepentant, as a result of unrepentant unison with the spirit of Jezebel, with the spirit of Jezebel. We are talking about a very specific thing here. So, are there other instances in the New Testament then of sickness um, that could affect believers? See, this is what happens to me if you dream at 3 o'clock. You start sleeping at 3 p.m., you've got to stay awake. You can't go to sleep. Okay, sorry, I know it's not your fault. The Lord gave you a dream, but stay awake for Him. Do you want me to quote from Matthew 24? Awake or sleeper, that's Hebrews. Anyways, um, 1 Corinthians 11, 29 talks about another situation where um, we are judged and disciplined um, when we do not consider uh, the body and create strife in it or harm it or destroy it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11:29 says, For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So I would use the word judgment perhaps, not disciplined on. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep, as in have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world says it very well there. So part of the reason I want to do this teaching is so that we judge ourselves. And if we judge ourselves, then we spare ourselves a whole lot of trouble. The the severity of the judgment here, the severity of the judgment here, the severity of the judgment here, the severity of the judgment here here exposes the evil potency of the uh, spirit of Jezebel. Exposes the evil potency of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. The evil potency of the Spirit. And it sets, a prece- it sets a precedent for the church, saying, Don't mess with this one. Sets a precedent for the church. And it um, lets you know that any tolerance of this Spirit will be punished. Punish tolerance of the Spirit. Am I? B- by the way, this is not Paul writing or anything. This is Jesus writing. If we don't teach this, how will we know? And if we don't know, then how will we judge? And if we don't judge, then how will we escape a judgment by God? Because he has said here, there's a severity to, to the judgment I'm making out here. Because I want to expose the evil potency of the Spirit and I want to set a precedent for my churches so that they understand that you cannot tolerate the Spirit because it will result in you being judged. This tolerance will be punished. So my question to the Lord was, Father, why? Why are you so severe? Almost, if you read all the other letters, nothing is as severe as what is being said to Thyatira. And these are guys who, many amongst them, have been super loving, super persevering, super serving, and they've done well. In fact, at one point God says, to those of you who haven't defiled yourself with the deep secrets of Satan, I'm saying to you, hold on to what you have, and I will put no other burden on you. So my question to God was, why is it that you're so (laughs) severe with this, with people who indulge with or allow or deliberately partner with or uh, refuse to resist this power. I, 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 I was surprised by what he said. What he said was, what this spirit does to my bride is what Delilah did to Samson. And I heard that and it made me sad and angry. What this spirit does to my bride, this is the bridegroom Christ who, 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 who died a brutal death on the cross. What this spirit does to my bride is what Delilah does, did to Samson. Blinds you, takes your strength away, weakens you, leaves you compromised at the mercy of the enemy, completely dismantles you. A man who was supposed to be a judge, a ruler, a deliverer is now delivered into the hands of the Philistines, blind, a prisoner. It takes away your voice, it blinds your eyes, it weakens you, it takes away your strength, it leaves you paralyzed. And you have no idea, guys, how powerfully the Spirit has worked its way into church after church after church. And nobody wants to deal with it because, oh, this must be some Pentecostal idea or some apostolic idea or some guy who wants to write a book. This is real. Jesus wrote a book on this. And this church will not tolerate it. We'll have such an intolerance towards the spirit of Jezebel. So Jacob, how do we identify it? Let's talk about the spirit of Jezebel. She is chaste. Her name means chaste. But she is chaste as in she can come in as uh, kind of uh, chaste and very um, uh, purish, ish but she's uncovered, as in refuses to come under any covering. Chaste but uncovered, an authority unto oneself, skilled in witchcraft. And at the end of the day, witchcraft is the use of powers and the willingness to be used by powers. That's what witchcraft is. It is the use of powers towards an end, which is never godly, and the, and the willingness to be used by powers. And because witchcraft is akin to rebellion, witchcraft may be redefined as being an authority unto oneself, where I am the final authority in terms of how I see and decide things. Hey, before I even taught this, I texted a few people at Ax. I texted people at and saying, "This is what I intend to t- uh, teach. Any insights? Why? Because I know that this is not to begin with a Mother's Day message, and two that this is heavy. This is not what a ch- church should put on live stream." When you read her story from 1st Kings 18 to 2nd Kings 9, you realize that this is one who is skilled in witchcraft, who was the daughter of a Sidonian priest, who was an authority unto oneself, who appeared chaste but lived her entire life uncovered, defiant to the very last moment when Jehu comes towards her. It is a spirit but it works through people. Spirits work through people. Spirits work through organizations. Spirits work through people in charge. Spirit works through pastors, spirits work through boards, spirit works through power mongers, spirit works through power holders, spirit works through governments, spirits work through organizations, spirits work through rulers. Pastors are some of the main targets of this, which is why Jesus is writing to the pastor or the messenger or the angel of the church of Thyatira saying, you are tolerating this woman. Who could have tolerated a woman who was bringing the false prophetic into the church except for the leaders of the church? Some of the people that succumb to the spirit most are the leaders of churches, which is the only way the spirit can enter into a church. It needs a weak Ahab. It needs a weak Ahab and surprisingly the word Ahab does not mean father. The word Ahab means uncle, the father's friend or the father's brother, not the father. It needs a weak Ahab, an uncle to exert control through, to force compliance, to open the doors of wickedness. It needs a weak Ahab, a weak uncle. Fathers who are not strong end up as weak uncles. The great thing about the Bible is it neither puts the full emphasis on the father or the full emphasis on the mother. In 1 Thessalonians 2 the way it presents it is so beautiful it says be like a nursing mother and be like a father who's charging his children. It has to be both, it's not one or the other. In this this perverse climate a church climate of love, 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 love. um, uh, It gets ugly. Uh, Uncovered is to have nobody um, that you think should have the Uh, nobody that you would submit your will to, no one should coerce your will, no one should force you to do something, if I do that then I begin to operate under the same spirit where I'm manipulating your will, where I'm forcing, controlling, coercing your will, the moment I do that I'm operating under a spirit that is not from Jesus but you must and I must choose to, choose to submit my will once you know that here is someone that I can submit my will to. Not because a person is perfect, not because the person won't let me down, but because I choose submission. If you are to submit your will to someone perfect, the only one you can submit your will to is God. Nobody else. And that's not how it works here on earth. These are hard truths, man, that the church must learn and the church avoids teaching. needs a weak Ahab to exert control, to force. I'm deliberately using the word it because it is an it, it's not a she. To exert control, to force compliance, to open doors of wickedness. One of the things this Spirit does, guys the reason I rage against this and you can see the the way I'm teaching this today is because if there is one thing that I that I Dearly loved, it is the bride of Christ. I live to raise her, if possible birth her, build her up, dress her exactly the way the bridegroom wants because one thing I am for sure, I'm a bridesmaid with my heart for the bridegroom and the bride. And the other thing that I am, is I have a great love for the prophetic. And I hate this spirit, because this spirit has the ability to silence humongous prophetic voices, silences it. This spirit had the power to silence Elijah. This spirit had the power to take out a church called Thyatira. An early church that was good at works, loves, perseverance, was able to take it out. One of the things the Jezebel spirit does, it is silences the prophetic voice. Silences the prophetic voice. When I see churches nowadays that do not allow prophets to speak, and I'm not talking about prophets as in come on stage and I'm a prophet, let me speak. No, I'm talking about th- the idea of the prophetic being shut down. Where you stick to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 3, and say that's all the prophetic is exhortation, encouragement, comfort. Don't go beyond that. How can you lead a people if you silence the voice of God? And then they go to, but this is the voice of God. This is what God has revealed. And it has been written down. But this ain't God, man. This is just the written word of God. It ain't the living word. The living word is Christ. It silences the prophetic. And it silences it through compromise or through accusation or through intimidation or through reward. Either intimidates the prophetic or compromises the prophetic or accuses the prophetic or rewards the prophetic. One of the scariest things that are happening now is the number of prophets that get rewarded so that they all tow the party line. Which is why I so appreciate Micaiah going up in front of Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And there are 400 other prophets and they're all prophesying the same thing. Ahab, you're going to win. Ahab, you're going to win. Didn't we hear that recently? South of the border. Every prophet saying the same thing. It is hard to stand up and speak when there are 400 prophets saying the same thing. Compromising the prophetic is uh, compromising the life of the prophet through some seduction or the other. It depletes the resources and the strength of the kingdom. One of the things Jezebel did is she began to bring 850 people, breakfast, lunch and dinner and tea. 850 people eating from the king's resources depleting the kingdom she would set a table for falsehood in this in the palace and these 850 prophets 450 from Baal 400 from Asherah would come and eat Jezebel has the ability once it enters the church to deplete the resources of the church and I'm not just talking about money I'm talking about the resource of man woman uh, creativity works of the spirit everything gets depleted or tainted And in the process, what happens is it threatens the leaders of the next generation. It threatens the generational leadership. As in, it now works on the next generation that's coming up because they now do not know what purity looks like. They do not know what it looks like to not have a doctrine without falsehood. One of the things the Spirit does, and this is one of the reasons Jesus gets pretty upset with the Spirit, the Spirit has the ability to relax apostolic decrees and to dilute them. Very clearly the word was sent out to the churches that listen as you begin this new journey as Gentiles who have been joined with Jews two things you have to keep in mind, do not eat meat offered to idols, do not commit idolatry and stay away from sexual immorality. A letter was sent out from Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15 and what is Jezebel doing? Chaining it around and saying it is okay And so suddenly you see that an apostolic decree is being relaxed so that there is room for compromise. Why? Because Thyatira was a city where there were tons and tons of guilds. Lydia was a a merchant of cloth. Textile flourished in Thyatira. Guilds required um, uh, reverence to deities and to Caesar. And it was impossible to attend a chamber of commerce meeting in Thyatira without first offering food to the idols. And so what is being said here? It's okay. And that would eventually lead to sexual immorality, which was common at these guild meetings and in rituals all over the place. And so she's saying it's okay. You are believers. You are born again. But it's okay now to indulge in this. And very clearly the apostolic decree was you will not commit sexual immorality. You will not eat food offered to idols. Another thing the spirit does and you see the spirit at work through Jezebel upon the life of Ahab is that this spirit manipulates and pampers the immature. This spirit manipulates and pampers the immature and so in the end you have a church that's raising dwarfs on a diet of milk and emotions. It pampers the immature and so what happens is you have a church full of dwarfs that are drinking milk and emotions. Isn't that reality today? Do we really want that? Is that what the church should be raised to become? The spirit moves boundaries eh? It blurs boundaries, it moves ancient landmarks. It says yeah yeah I know God has said don't do this but it's okay to we, we can just move this a little, uh, I think it's okay to compromise a little we have to be realistic, let's move ancient boundaries a little here and there and in the process it takes inheritances away. And there's a proverb that says do not move the ancient landmarks God has set some things in place, do not compromise on them, do not blur the lines where people don't know who they are morning and evening, because the lines are so blurred. You move those ancient boundaries, you end up with nations having desolate inheritances because the people do not have location, boundaries, limits, restraints. A people perish when boundaries are removed, because restraint is cast off. Vision is absent. The spirit specializes in it. Guys, do you realize why it is important to stand against with such an intolerance? Why, Jacob, are you talking about this now? Because we need to know this as we go into places where we... You know, once we know the devices of the enemy, it is so much easier to be aware of it when it comes against you. So how do you deal with the spirit? You have to be the Obadiah Jehu type. You cannot be the Elijah type to deal with this spirit. Elijah lost, but you have to be the Obadiah, Jehu type. That's the only combination that can deal with the spirit. Obadiah was a father and a governor. That's what he's called. He talks about it when he's telling Elijah. He says, listen, I'm a governor he was a he was a father governor who provided refuge and broke bread provided refuge and broke bread hiding hiding people from Jezebel because he knew how vicious she was and how easily The godly could be devoured by her. I want you to know that you cannot deal with this on your own unless you have been specifically appointed to do it. So the only way you can deal with it is when you covenant as a community that we stand together as a body against this. Either you have to have an appointment like Jehu or Elijah or Abadiah or you have to stand as a people saying, we are a people of Christ and we take on this Obadiah Jehu approach. So you had Obadiah who was this way. Or you have to be violently, not or, and you have to be violently tolerant, intolerant, violently intolerant of the spirit giving, not giving an inch not giving an inch. You don't know how difficult it is to preach this message for me. You don't know. Everything in me says tone it down. Everything in me says take it down a notch. Everything in me says ah, this is too harsh. Everything in me says this is too heavy. And then there is something in me that says that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. Have you backed down because of your sensitivities to this or that or that person or this person or how people would perceive you. Stand and say it as it is. I will have such an intolerance against the spirit. So that it doesn't affect any of us and doesn't take this church down because when a church begins to rise powers are sent to cripple it in a way that is so crippling that it will take forever to rise again. Even, yeah. This is the only way to deal with the spirit, eh? Must come against it with such violence And at the same time, must also remember that there are people who need refuge and who need bread to eat because they are being attacked and devoured by Jezebel. So on one hand, you have to cover and keep people under your refuge in safety and provide them bread so that they are not devoured. On the other hand, you should roll up your fist with the other hand and smack it right in the nose. That is how you deal with it. Unfortunately, whenever you deal with Jezebel, after you deal with Jezebel, because Jezebel operates through people, and you have to deal with Jezebel intolerantly, whenever you deal with Jezebel, people get bruised. So you have to have a post-recovery plan. People get bruised. So you have to have a post-recovery plan, as in you need to realize that as you deal with it, some people will have their egos bruised, Some people will have their feelings bruised. Some people will have their uh, minds bruised. Some people may have their bodies bruised. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen this as recently as two, four days ago. Derek and uh, I've seen this in another country, not here. You have to have a way to help people recover because it can leave you um, disheveled. Do you think when Jesus chased money lenders out of the temple, there was a little bruising? I would suggest so. 335. Jesus goes on to say that the faith, (laughs) remember guys what I said, this power has the ability to do to the bride what Delilah did to Samson. I'll be rewarded for teachings like this. The faithful remnant, Jesus talks about the faithful remnant. The faithful remnant are those that are Uh, He talks about it in the last few verses of the letter. He says, some of you have been faithful. And he says, you've been faithful and you haven't um, gotten accustomed to or dived into Satan's deep secrets. And uh, I think uh, Jesus being half sarcastic, Satan's deep secrets as opposed to the mysteries of God. But it also then brings up the point that, yeah, there are um, evil devices and schemes of the enemy man that most of us do not understand and because we don't understand it we either don't think about it or because it confuses us we don't go further in it and we stay in our own little cubby holes but allow the Holy Spirit I I had to do this long ago thank God I had good teachers eh All the teachers I had were <laughs> were loving, but not merciful. And I'm richer for it. They had very little time for my whims and fancies. They simply grow up Jacob, got lots to do in the future. Thank God they did that, eh? I wouldn't be where I am. Anyways. see we not go we are not supposed to go and hunt for evil devices and schemes but you the holy spirit can make you wise to it second corinthians 2:11 says it is good to uh, the, the, that god that god will uh, show you the uh, uh, let me read it uh, it's basically uh, be aware of the schemes of the enemy second corinthians 2:11 2 Corinthians 2.11 o- um, If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan no- might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his scheme. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, if you are willing to um, be a certain way, and I'll tell you what that way is, it's pretty simple. simple. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit can make you wise to um, Satan's devices and schemes. And so, to uh, help the Holy Spirit help you, <laughs> here are a few things that it's best. Uh, this is how, this is perhaps the uh, makeup that is best for this. Um, one, uh, try not to be too emotional, because there are far too many people who get very emotional about the devil and then. Uh, go down a road they shouldn't be going. Try not to get too esoteric and esoteric simply means don't think of yourself as uh, an elite um, commando who knows the enemy. because sometimes you might end up knowing the enemy better than you know God. It's like you have some secret knowledge of how the enemy works. Don't go looking for it. It usually gets into a lot of trouble. Uh, uh, Don't get too empirical as in Uh, wanting evidence of things, want uh, neat little boxes to fit properly before you can accept things or you can begin to walk in things. Man, I'm telling you, understanding is overrated. When it comes to spiritual things, understanding is overrated. Every time you set up a neat box, along comes Jesus and collapses it. Oh, you thought I was like this, let me show you. And then he takes a whip and chases out all the money lenders. What do you do with that, man? Oh, you thought I was willing to have people come to me? It's absolutely true. But go tell those Greeks that I'm not meeting them right now and tell them that a grain will fall to the earth and it will rise up and produce a hundredfold. And those Greeks that Philip brought did not meet him. Oh, you thought I was going to tell you the way of salvation? Well, I'm telling you, why are you calling me good to begin with? Because only God is good. So let's be done with our nice civility. And by the way, sell everything and follow me. I knew you would find it tough. Walking away, I know the tone I'm putting on it, the spin I'm putting on it is advantages to me, but all I'm trying to say is neat little boxes are God's favorite thing to collapse. And the last one is egocentric. I think I spent half the message trying to find words that start with E. Otherwise, I finished this message by yesterday afternoon. Egocentric, when you are the center of your spirituality, when you are the center, everything revolves around you. I've got to always be careful that I don't go this way or this way. I don't have too much problem with this or this, but I've got to make sure I'm not egocentric. And that I don't get esoteric thinking that, ah, you've got some uh, great insight into. now. Nah, Holy Spirit brings insight. Guys, there's no taking life or land without subduing powers. Eh? There is no taking life or land without subduing powers. And you subdue powers by being spiritually perceptive. You subdue powers by covenanting with a body as a whole. You subdue powers By knowing that all your strength, all your authority comes from submitting to the authority of Him who is Lord. And His arrangement on earth. You want me to say that list again? There's no taking life or land without the subduing of powers that oppose the kingdom here on earth. There is no taking of life or land without that. It's not possible. There is an active enemy. God gives us the ability to do this, trains our hands for war, our fingers for battle or the other way around. But to subdue, you must covenant with a people. You can't do this alone. This isn't the days of, oh, you send out Goliath, I'll send out David. No, our our David has taken care of it. He was the son of David. Now he's saying, I belong in a body. I'm the head of the body. We go out as a body, covenant with a people. submit to him who is Christ and Lord because to the degree that I submit to him to that degree everything else submits to me. It's a very simple equation to the degree that I am submitted to his authority to that degree I have authority over things and they submit to me. Perceive things spiritually perceive things spiritually Use what you have learned, but know that there is so much more to learn tomorrow and day after and day after. I got to end, guys, I know. How can you leave a message like this half Friday? As in, I couldn't have quit 20 minutes ago. I could have, but it wouldn't be right. There are rewards, guys, for taking a stance like this. You take a stance against Jezebel, there are rewards. And these rewards are so relevant and pertinent to Acts 29. Christ promises that if you take a stance against, if you overcome Jezebel, the way you overcome something is by recognizing it. That's what we are doing right now. We are recognizing it. It's like one of those things where you, uh, I, I forgot, I forgot the example, but you throw paint on it and it'll show you what is hidden kind of a thing. Or throw a liquid on it and reveals what is hidden. That kind of thing. That's what we are doing. We are throwing out these teachings so that Jezebel can be easily spotted. It is an it, not a she. Remember that. Christ promises that if you overcome Jezebel, that you will shepherd nations with an iron staff or scepter. What a brilliant reward, what a timely reward, what a relevant reward for Acts 29. That he promises, Christ promises, it ain't some kind of, well, you know, I'll think about it. I promise you, Jacob, that if you overcome Jezebel, if you recognize her first and then overcome her, then here's what I'll do for you, Jacob, here's what I'll do for you you and your people will shepherd nations with an iron staff or scepter. Who does this belong to? This prerogative belongs to the conquering Christ of Psalms 2 verse 7 and 9. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for an inheritance. And you shall take your scepter as king and you shall shatter them like pottery. Any rebellious nation. Fear the sun and kiss his ring. That prerogative that belongs only to Christ is now being offered to us. Just as he received it from the father, he's saying, I'm giving you absolute shattering power over the nations. And a global revival does not spread till a people learn how to both receive and then wield this kind of power. But it comes through overcoming, overcoming this particular power in this particular case. And then they also receive the morning star. And the morning star is an allusion to the authority that uh, we have over the enemy cause in Numbers uh, 24 verse 17, Uh, When Balaam is prophesying and he cannot but speak the words of God, he says, behold, I see a scepter arising out of Jacob and he shall have a morning star. And he will then use that scepter to bash in the heads of Moab and Sheth. Numbers 24, 17. So the idea of giving you a morning star is again saying, listen, I'm giving you authority over Moab. Moab was an enemy that plagued Israel continuously. Moabites and Ammonites were well-known enemies of God and he's saying listen that's what Balaam prophesies and uh, the I- irony is it's a Moabite king that is calling Balaam to now curse Israel and now God is using the very man who's supposed to prophesy a curse he's now prophesying a blessing saying out of Jacob shall rise a scepter and I shall give him the morning star. Beautifully. Eh? We need to position ourselves to shepherd nations, guys. We need to position ourselves to shepherd nations. We need to position ourselves to shepherd nations. Don't know which church we'll do next week, but I'm looking forward to this. I'm kind of excited. The great thing about preparing messages for this church is it's not like I have a series prepared three months ago that I'm going to give it to you. I've got enough prepared, which is so much fun because it's a process of discovery, right? I'm just four or five days ahead of you, that's all. Let's pray. Father, I just wanna come against the spirit of Jezebel and any incursion or entry into this church in any form or fashion. But first, I I wanna pray for me, O God, that one of the things the spirit of Jezebel does, it, it manipulates, it exerts control by coercing, it deceives. And so Father, I just pray that you would begin to expose and identify areas of control, of manipulation, of coercion in my life with regard to this church, that he would expose it, that it would come to notice and then I'll have a choice to either turn away from it or be untrue to what I have taught. I also pray, Father, that if there are any corridors into my life through which any such control is being exerted, any compromise, any Intimidation, accusation is being brought that I would be able to shut it off, Father, because how a leader goes, so goes the rest of the flock. When the shepherd is scattered, the, when the shepherd is struck, the sheep are scattered. And so sh- make me aware, Lord, expose things in my life that I need to take stock of first. And then I bring the rest of the church into you before you, O God. Wherever there are these very same things that I prayed for myself, active in the life of those in the church. That Father, you would highlight it so that there won't be even a footprint of this spirit and its work in our church. Because this spirit has the ability like a python to just weave itself around and squeeze the life out of the church slowly. Father, we submit the prophetic in this church to you afresh, afresh that no false doctrine, no half truth, no non-prophecies, no desire to be known through the prophetic, no party-line prophecy, no unscriptural ways in the prophetic, be it a word of knowledge, Prophetic preaching, prophetic words, word of wisdom may enter this church. And if there are any such things, Father, again, expose them, Father, so that I may be able to deal with them or other leaders may be able to deal with them. So I come against this spirit of Jezebel violently in this church. And I say in the name of Jesus Christ, with the help of angels, I throw you down from the balcony that you stand in I throw you down and I declare that your fate shall be complete destruction in this church stripped completely bones left nothing left so be it through my life upon the church or be it through any life in this church that it is coming through I expose you I shut you down in the name of Jesus Christ you will not have This church and what God wants to do through this body across the earth, you will not have it. Father, teach me how not to be a weak Ahab, but teach me how to be an Obadiah that has the ability to break bread and feed and hide in refuge at the same time, be as violent and aggressive as Jehu in not tolerating. This power working through either me onto people or people onto me. No. Like Phoebe says, no. I pray for people that come from families where the spirit of Jezebel is active. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I sever people. In whose families this spirit is active. In whose families familiar spirits are at work. I sever them. I declare that you are biologically in that family. But I connect you to the heritage of Christ who is your Lord. And his father who is your father. Freeing you. I know I'm shouting about. finally, Father, we claim our rewards. You said, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. We want the scepter and then we want the nations. We want the scepter to shepherd nations. We want, we want to be rewarded for taking a stance against this power so that we can use that scepter to open doors, to break down doors and to shepherd nations for your sake. We don't want to be known but we want this ability. Grant us these things, establish this teaching. Flesh it out, Spirit of God. Is there anything else before we close? Father, I pray for anybody who's listening to this teaching today or in the future that'll feel bruised after this teaching. I pray, Father, that you would lead them to places where someone can pour oil and wine and cause those bruises to heal. Let them know that their bruising is only external, but internally they are delivered. That the external bruising, it's like taking the vaccine. People say the arm is sore, but the body now has antibodies. Let the bruising not be the focus. Let the deliverance be the focus. That's it Abba. Is there anything we, c- we can say or sing that would cement an anchor and complete this or do we just leave it as is? Gosh, Lord, there are hardly any war songs. Uh, Um, Maybe I'll ask Emily to come up and sing the Train My Hands for War and end with that, Father. And so if people need to leave because of Mother's Day, uh, Happy Mother's Day again, guys, in case you didn't hear it said earlier. Um, But if people need to leave for Mother's Day thingies, uh, that's fine, Father, but we just want to sing this song with... uh, as a people, not as individuals, as a people with an aggressive edge to it. I'll finish with that. Just once through Abba. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Take these hands and make them battle strong Wrestle with me, undefeated God Build me up on holy training grounds So I can learn to bring the bear and lion down Take these hands and make them battle strong with me undefeated God build me up on holy training grounds so I can learn to bring the bear and lion down no army goes out with just one man with all the saints that ain't Here we stand We won't give up on our inheritance We'll fight to walk in oil promises With the sword of the Spirit We'll strike the giant's head We won't give up on our inheritance fingers and train them for war Teach me how to use a stone and sling It isn't only me I'm fighting for I'm taking back the land and setting captives free Take these fingers and train them for war Teach me how to use a stone and sling. It isn't only me I'm fighting for. I'm taking back the land and setting captives free. I'm taking back the land and setting captives free. No army goes out. With just one man With all the saints and angels here we stand We won't give up on our inheritance We'll fight to walk in all promises With the sword of the Spirit We'll strike the giant's head Give up on our inheritance. This land is our inheritance. Its people are yours. We won't accept less. We won't accept less than what Jesus Christ paid for. We stand for healings, miracles, and open doors. We stand for healings, miracles, and open doors. We want to see your precious children. We want to see your precious children be restored. This land is our Its people are yours We won't accept less than what Jesus Christ paid for We stand for healings, miracles, and open doors Let's just sing that again. This land is our inheritance. Its people are yours. We won't accept less than what Jesus Christ paid for. open doors we want to see your precious children be restored we won't give up on our inheritance we'll fight to walk in all your With the sword of the Spirit will strike the giant's head We won't give up on our inheritance We won't give up on our inheritance We won't give up on our inheritance Ciao for now. Happy Mother's Day. Bye bye.